The defending champs will be part of the final four. The Lightning advance to the Stanley Cup semifinals. Welcome to the eulogy of the Carolina Hurricanes uh, 2021 season. It's over. We're put out of our misery. We are, we are free. It's a bittersweet moment. And we're going to talk through it. And we're going to share our thoughts on the ups and the downs the in-betweens of a season that had so much promise but whimpered out at the end. This is the Canes Country Podcast, and joining us for the proceedings today are Andrew Schnicker and Ryan Hankel. How are you guys doing? I'm good, but more importantly, who are you? I'm just, I'm just a man. You know, this this entire experience has led to me questioning my own existence, questioning what I do. Am I real? Does anything matter? And let me tell you, I'm erring on the side of things don't matter at this point. Nothing actually matters. But I asked you, how are you guys doing? I'm doing solemn just in this in this proceedings. I'm the speaker of of this. What do you call someone who is, I guess, a pastor in many cases, um, who's like talking to the crowd at a funeral. I'm up there standing next to the casket, baby. I got <laughs> there's a picture on the casket of of a Hurricanes logo, and it's dead. And there's a wreath around it. And the casket falls off the moorings and down the stairs and opens up. It's awfully funny taps in the background. The Tampa Bay Lightning are carrying the casket out to the grave, like in the meme video. Oh, yes. Um, the dancing casket. Paul Bears. Anyway, <laughs> there's just okay. So the Hurricanes, when we last talked, it was a uh, was it a two one series? Was it two one? Had Carolina yeah, won a game? Game three. Yeah, it was coming off Carolina's game three victory. Yes. So spirits were cons- spirits were even high last week because uh, I think we were all like, yeah, they're gonna lose. Um, but you know, there there was that little moment of hope. And then game four happened, and I think game four was was really the, you know, they were in a vegetative state after game four, because it was like, we know it's over, all right? And, I mean, it, it just felt like game four took everything out of Carolina's sails when, when, you, when you struggle to score on the best goalie in, in the world, as put by... Robert Nemour and members of the Hurricanes, Andre Vasilevsky. 
when you can't score on him at all, really, and then the second period of game four happens, and you score four times, and you're like, oh my goodness, he can be beat, this team can be beat. Like, the, the, the shift in mood from having a 4-2 lead in that second period after winning game three, you're, in the back of your mind, you're like, if they, fin- if they win this, this series is wide open. And the remainder of that second period was just, I mean. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. They, they blow the game. They blow the lead. And all of a sudden, Tampa takes the lead late in the second period off a of Stamkos power play goal. And then you know what's your fate at that point. You let Tampa come all the way back. That was that was the deal breaker. That second period went from being the period that saved the Hurricanes to the period that brutally killed the Hurricanes. I mean, we talked about you know Jake Bean having a rough go of it, but that that game really sealed it. Like the holding penalty on Goudreau in the neutral zone to then give Tampa the power play to make a four three, give them then the momentum starts building, and then like the. The third period starts, and he just turns it over to Kucherov, who scores like at 6-4, and it's like, oh, goodness, Bean. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good. And, um, and the thing I go back to as well, and I said this during Game 4, if you look back at um, the Boston series last year, a little bit different because they led by two going into the third period, but it's a pivotal game for that you need to win uh, to tie this series or you're down three to one and you're up two goals and thinking you're sitting pretty saying, Hey, you know, this series is going to be wide open and then just an onslaught of goals and you lose and you're down three, one, it, it kind of happened in a somewhat similar fashion, like up again, up two goals, pivotal game four, and then bang. You're dead. 100%. Just, like when you say it now, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, wow, that the similar fates. Yeah. And then, like, and then followed by just like a, a totally lackluster game five in both cases. Because again, you just losing a game like that that you thought you had just takes everything out of you. Yeah. And it kind of just gives the motivation to the other team, like Tampa, like, because Tampa's so good, they can score goals like right off the bat. But nobody nobody thinks about this. But they're such a good defensively trapped team. They can just flip on a switch. They can go from scoring a million goals to totally shutting you out. And then they have Vasilevsky back there. So even if they make a mistake, it's like ah, best goaltender in the world. It's fine. It, it it all happened. It all happened so fast. Going like like the shifts in emotion just so fast, man. You go from down to nothing, then you then you pull out a huge overtime victory, and you think halfway through that game you're like, oh man, it it might happen, and then bam, like it's over and your season's over, and the playoffs are cruel, man. Uh, postseason hockey is is just brutal, and uh, when you when you go down, you go down hard. Uh, you could say the Hurricanes uh, died hard. With a vengeance. 
And that brings us to our sponsor of the uh, podcast, uh, Die Hard Batteries. <laughs> no. But they did sponsor the playoff run, and boy, was that fitting. <laughs> it died hard, all right. <laughs> Harder than maybe they've ever died. <laughs> Goodness. That I mean, like, you talk about those momentum shifts. Like, that, just the second period of Game 4 was such a momentum. Like, Tampa scores first, and you're like, Yet again, here here we're going. Canes cannot score the first goal. And then, you know, like, they have a – Canes kill off a, a penalty. And, like, all of a sudden, Tara Vinan scores. And you're like, oh, oh, look at that. And then Jesper Foss scores. And you're like, oh, what's happening? And then Stammer scores. And you're like, okay, well, back to even. And then all of a sudden, Jacob Slavin just scores from, like, an impossible angle. And you're yeah. like, oh, my God, what's happening? And then you're like, more. And then Hamilton scores. And you're like, eh, everything's looking up for Carolina. You and then, before you know it, it's 5-4. You might have that flipped on Slavin and Hamilton, but yeah, it's basically... Well, and two, the other thing that, like, you don't think... Like, I think the Hurricanes started that game 3-for-3 three three on the penalty kill. They did. Yeah. And then they well, kept taking penalties. Tampa Bay 87 power plays and expect to... It was like, so hey, bad. I mean that's just that's just the the southern kindness though, Carolina you know showing a little southern hospitality. Well, saying, what was great about that game was like after every time they scored a goal they took a penalty on the next shift, and like the first few times it was it was fine and they killed it and it actually ended up being momentum for them and they would just like keep playing well or score, and then they kept doing it. And it goes it it went from yeah they kept doing it and it went from like. Like, Lightning scored one power play goal, and it's like, hey, maybe don't do that. And then it's like, oh, my God, for the love of God and all that is holy, stop doing that. And, like, Svechnikov, for for literally no reason, finishes a hit high on a guy pinned along the boards that's not going anywhere. And I'm like, you're just – you're literally just asking for it. And that's when people – like, when people complain about the officiating – and or, or pointing out how Tampa has so many more power plays, and I watch what Svechnikov did there. It's like, dude, you you can't like you just can't do that. Like it, it is right in front. And then people are like, Hedman cross checked Aho, but and, and yes, he did. But I mean, Svechnikov literally finished high on a hit for absolutely no explainable reason. Yeah, and. And you, you're just asking for it, man. Well, and I'm with, I'm with you. I am so glad that like, the thing I think I'm most glad about the season being over again is I do not have to hear or yeah. see my timeline just absolutely spewed with officiating discourse for until October. It's like. We get it. Officiating is bad. Officiating is bad around the league. It's just what it is. Like and like, you can't complain, Carolina. Like, there's a bias against Carolina. Carolina's been one of the, like the more penalized teams the past like few seasons. It's just it's because of their forechecking style and their aggressive style. It's just it leads themselves. It's not the refs being like, we ha- kumbaya. Let's chant and make sure to bring down the Carolina Hurricanes, the big bad. Like, there's no there's no plot against them. It's just. The Canes play aggressive style, and they're really kind of have a there's a little level of immaturity with their stick penalties. They take a lot of stick infractions. 
slashing, hooking, tripping. It's obviously something that has to be improved upon. There's there's plenty of things that have to be improved upon, right? And I think that was that was a bit of a topic of discussion over the past couple of days as the Hurricanes players had their exit interviews or Zoom press conferences today, for example, I think for a lot of these guys, it's about their futures with the team. And, you know, it's, it's one of a few things. How do you take this and, and have it motivate you for next season? Kind of looking back on the season and, and talking about, you know, injuries that happened or, or things that didn't go their way or did go their way. And then, like I said, the futures of these players on this team. And I think one one player who, who had a lot of interesting things to say on that regard is Jordan Martinuk. And he's a pending UFA. If you if you followed his career before he went to Carolina, he has been a bouncing between the NHL and AHL kind of player. And when he got to Carolina, he became an, an everyday NHL guy. And even beyond that, really, his relationship with the fans has has really surpassed any of the things that he's done on the ice. Not to say he hasn't been good on the ice, but just his connection with the fans has been so strong that, you know, that that's almost secondary, which is which is pretty rare. Um, and he's, he's been a really good ambassador for the team in, in all areas. And today he was talking about how important Raleigh and, and Kane's fans have been to him. He's had both of his, uh, children here in Raleigh and his, uh, his fresh baby, his, his fresh baby, um, his relationship with Emma Izzo. Uh, is something that that touched a lot of people, and that's what makes the other part of this conversation difficult. Is that this is a business, and you you don't know if he's going to be back. I guess we can kind of start to talk about this, but with with how this team looks right now, you have Brock McGinn, who's a UFA. Cedric Paquette is a UFA. Warren Fogel's an RFA. Jordan Martinuk's a UFA. Not all of them are going to be back. I think it's pretty fit. Pretty safe. Yeah, I mean, to all say. shouldn't be back. Yes. Well, that's it, what should be the case is that not all of them are back. Um, right. What do you do with Martinuk? Yeah, that's that's. T- I, I, you know, obviously we'll have our big off-season to-do list podcast next week, but sure. that 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 one's it's tough. Because, like, on the ice, from an on-ice standpoint, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to bring him back. Uh, you look at some of the younger players the Hurricanes have who could fill those roles, be cheaper, probably a little better. But um, just from a locker room, because, um, I mean, the Hurricanes, like, you know, they have guys who lead by it, but they don't really have that, another yeah. of, like, that guy in the locker room. And I and I I think you need that. Um, and I think you know maybe you need it less with things going back to normal, but I think you certainly needed it with 
everything that's gone on over the past year with COVID and everything else. Um, and in the community too. I mean, Jordan Martinuk would be, you know, I, I think, you know, most Canes fans get it and understand that it's a business and understand that on, on ice. But I mean, Jordan Martinuk would be missed and for good reason. Yeah, Jordan Martinuk is very much a fan favorite. Like the Marty party, everyone, like he just has this energy and this, he exudes. He's just such a fun personality to be around. And he like makes, you know, Canes hockey exciting and fun. He's got this energy about him that goes beyond the ice. And it, it's hard because, you know, how long has it been since you've had like UFAs that are like, I really, really want to be a hurricane. I really want to stay here. I love it here. I love this. I love this team and this fan base. Like it doesn't happen. hadn't happened for a long time that you had UFAs like wanting to be a part of it. And now the Canes, a tough decision. I mean, He's making two million dollars, and he's like less than ten points yeah. a year kind of production. It's not that's you just can't afford it, the flat cap. I mean, maybe if the cap had been increasing, there's like a different story to tell. But the Canes are trending in the right direction. The culture's the culture's been shifted. It's 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 happened. I mean, there's still ways to go for them to be a championship team, but the culture's changed. They're a competitive team, and you've brought in like Trocheck and Aho, who look to be clear candidates who could wear an A if Marnock leaves. I mean, they're both humongous leaders. You can see the the way they carry themselves, the way the team, you know, acts around them. But again, like Andrew said, it's that vocal energy that he exudes is kind of the the rest of the team you look is kind of quiet guys, you know, almost keep to themselves, quiet natured. So it is something is like how much how much is that energy and that, you know, excitement level worth and it's kind of kind of conflicts with the value that uh, on the ice and that's where the the ruthlessness of the business comes in well and maybe this is cruel a little bit on that ruthless side too but you talk about like you're right about like what and he talked about it too about being part of changing the culture and the way they've got it going when you look at that culture change it's almost like there's almost a sense of like that jordan martinuk has has served his purpose for the Hurricanes. Like, other than, of course, like I said, that vocal energy and and being in the community, but from, an, you know, just pushing the team in the right direction. I mean, I, I think that's been, that's been done. I, I think what you need now is not that. It's, it's finding those missing pieces and that little bit more to get over the hump. That is cruel, but it is honest. It is... I think the way that you put it, Andrew, is probably better than I've heard anyone put it. He played a role. He played a very real, tangible role in this team turning around. And they're turned around now. And as much as most people probably won't like it, I don't I don't know if there's a spot for him here anymore. I don't know if if that is what Carolina needs moving forward. And that sucks. Like, it does. And, you know, I think we're kind of all getting to this conclusion because, man, if if that didn't sound like a farewell. Yeah. When he said, yeah, when he said, like, thank you, Kaniacs, I love you, and he, he, like, went back to the like his dad going to the tailgates yeah. the first year and everything else that that sounded like a guy who, I mean, 
like he said he want you know we said he wants to be back, but like Jordan Martinook's not stupid. He <laughs> knows like where this team is in terms of on the ice. He knows where it is with the young players. He knows the situation with the salary cap. And I mean he said that too, you know, that he wants to be here, but he also has a family he has to take care of. You know, kind of the implication there being that he's not, you know, if he can get more somewhere else, he's not going to take yeah. league minimum to stay with the Hurricanes. And he shouldn't be expected to do that just because he loves it here. I mean, uh, yeah, that that sounded like a man who kind of knows what's up in, in terms of all this. Yeah, it's just tough. It's like I love Marduk the person. You know, he just he was so fun. Like he brought so much character to this team. Like obviously the Mr. Svechnikov audio that went viral. The funny it's the funniest shit. And the other stuff he's done, like the first year in the playoffs, he was doing the video vlogs of all the guys. And just, you know, the leadership he's brought. Like he's been he's such a great person. He's so fun to have around, but it's it's the brutal business side of just you know, like Andrew said, he's played he's his role has kind of run its course on the team and like I hate that. I hate having to say that. And maybe this maybe it's different if the injuries don't play such a role because if we go back to twenty eighteen, nineteen, he was quite yeah. good. He was yeah. legitimately an impactful, above average player and he's I remember I was covering the game when he got that hat trick against Florida. And it was like Jordan Martin got a hat trick. It's like it was it was a crazy kind of like first season for him where he was really impactful on the ice. It, Fifteen goals. Yeah, I mean, in, in addition that's to no, that's... being the the loud Jordan Martin that that we all know. Then season ends. He has that core muscle surgery. He has to have another surgery on that, and it felt like he just never was the same again and that's unfortunate and i think we've talked about it at points it's just like that's the way he plays and he's gonna get hurt all gas no breaks and that's kind of you know how it how that happens so uh, it's unfortunate to to potentially see him go today certainly felt like a goodbye of sorts and given the state of the Hurricanes roster, it's somewhat difficult to imagine him coming back next year unless he is taking a, a fairly considerable pay cut. Is he worth $2 million? I, I just don't think so. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this too. When you're the Hurricanes and you get to the point where, even, even in a not in a flat cap world, um, you get to the point where you're paying Andre Svechnikov a hell a lot more than his ELC. You're about to have to pay Martin Natchez. You're um, either, and we'll, again, we'll talk about a lot more about this kind of stuff next week with our offseason stuff, but you're about, you're going to have to make a decision on Dougie Hamilton. Like the sacrifices that you have to make and that teams have to make is like in your bottom six, you're not paying a Jordan Martin of 2 million. You're cycling through. Like your Steven Lorenzo yes. of the world's guys on ELCs who can give you that young, cheap talent, which is part of which is part of why too the success in the draft the Hurricanes have seemed to have had um, in the past couple of years has been is so important. You can afford to pay one of McGinn or Martinuk, and you just have to make the right decision there. And I yeah. think 
the right decision is pretty obvious. Yeah. yeah. So we'll just leave it with, leave it at that. Other exit interview stuff. Yesterday, um, Dougie Hamilton sat down and called, said... In his Angus um, Barn t-shirt. Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater about the Tampa Bay Lightning. No, just kidding. He was in arms. He he wanted Tampa relegated. If you read, if you read TSN or, or some select news outlets, you would Tampa think that he went scorched earth on the Lightning. That's not really what happened, though. Here, here's what happened for those who... Dougie Hamilton, I don't even remember here, I, I can go look it up, but I don't even remember the premise of the question. He was asked, um he was asked what the Canes need to take the next step to be a championship team. That's right, yeah. And it's like all he said, all I think all he really was getting at was that like that they shouldn't be that like disappointed. He said, yeah, he said, we had a great, he said, I think we're close. We had a great season and lost to a team that's 18 million over the cap. Like that's a fact. They, the lightning are over the cap. He was, and then he was asked again. He asked that there was disappointment in losing to a team so far under the salary cap. This is what he said. I wouldn't say there's disappointment. I think it is what it is. I think you don't even really think about that stuff. To be honest, you're playing against who you're out there playing. Teams have injuries. Teams have full lineups, whatever. It's just how it works out. I wasn't knocking the rules or anything. You just realize how many weapons they have. You think of how many more players you could add to your team with that money, and you realize how much deeper you'd be. That's just how it worked out, and I know it's happened with teams in the past. I don't have a problem with it. You just realize how good that team was. And then he had had asked about it again, that very next question. It is what it is, though. You could say it about every team when it comes to things like injuries. They didn't have their best player all season, and they still had a great year. Still beat us in games and all that stuff. And adding a guy that didn't play for the year and having him come back and be effective and really good right away is impressive as well. I don't have any knocks on that or on them as a team and what they're with what they're doing. I think it's just impressive to see how good they are and how much talent they have. I just have respect for all those guys. We'll see what happens and if they can keep winning, and we'll see how we did against one of the best teams in the league. So no, uh, Mr. Haggerty in Boston, Dougie Hamilton is not salty. It's like, he's, he's, he's basically like, Doug was like, do the Canes need to make changes? And Doug was like, no, I don't think there needs to be any real major changes made because we ran up against a team that's really over the cap. There's They're just a really good team. They're one of the best in the league, and they just so happen to you know have more space available to them at this moment. And it's, it's just something that, like, it's he's like it's tough to match up against. He's basically saying, from Carolina's perspective, they should make major changes because like they were they were fighting an albatross. They were fighting you know right. a titan. The and defending cup champions like, are twenty million over the cap. We said it on our. You guys both said it on the pre-series podcast that we did. The Lightning are have they that much win. over the cap. They should win. They should win. They should win the Stanley Cup. Like. No asterisk. That's just it's just how it played out for them. It, it, right. It, like it just so happens they're they're substantially over the cap and you know good for them it's in the rules it's, a fact. Like, it's allowed it's yeah. it's fine don't hate the player hate the game son nobody is saying well right it's like nobody is saying well some people are but nobody should <laughs> be like they're not cheating like it's in the rules like like if you want a lesson on cap circumvention let me introduce you to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, like, have you been Chicago paying attention? Blackhawk. Like, Tampa's not the first team to do this. Chicago. They did it with Hosa. Hosa had a 
Hosa was like allergic to his jersey, so they in Cristobal Huey. If you take a even longer <laughs> trek back, they 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 shipped off like five million dollars in cap hit to some Swiss team. Like this isn't like yeah. new. This or is Joffrey like, Loophole, who just failed his physical. Like, yeah, I want to point out, like, yeah, maybe he would he would have been he should have been fine to go like at some point in the race. Kucherov had hip surgery. Like that's not. I Nothing. have it on good authority that there was never a hip surgery. It was a phantom hip surgery. I am exclusively reporting this on the Canes Country podcast, and you must credit Canes Country with this report that there was never a hip surgery. It never he happened. He actually collected his $9.5 million and went to Cancun. Absolutely. Please do not credit Canes Country <laughs> with any of this. Um, no, and the other thing, too, because I was on a um, – <laughs> a podcast with I was on the Jim Lamb sports podcast with Eric Erlinson who covers the Tampa Bay Lightning and he was talking about it too like a like Kucherov had hip surgery like that's not an alleged not a alleged it, it depends on who you ask <laughs> depends on who you know the in the business like, the the schedule in the season comes into play here and is part of what allowed them to do it like it was a perfect like Kucherov is not sitting out for 82 games if that's the case no it was, it was a perfect, perfect storm. Yeah. I mean, you can also look at, like, if the Dallas Stars made the playoffs. Tyler Sagan, you know, was – he, like, came back and played, like, two games after he had, like, a major hip surgery. By the way, he also like, never had the surgery. Okay. <laughs> Exclusive Canes Country tag Canes <laughs> in this report. Hip surgery is actually not real. It doesn't exist. That's why Tuka Rask didn't get his hip surgery on his. Yeah. Tuka Rask. He, he wouldn't lower his standards to that of Nikita Kucherov. Who has surgery? I mean, really? I mean, what are you, a professional athlete? Yeah. hell's wrong with you? Yeah, like Jack Eichel. Surgery on your neck? Come on now. <laughs> Fucking losers. What are you, what are you doing? Uh, you want to get repair your body? <laughs> what a sucker. Yeah, like me in college. I should have just let my appendix kill me so i could go take those two tests the next day i mean if if you're like you know a professional then that's what you do yeah anyway i guess i guess more on the uh the exit interview stuff again we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit this week much more next week hearing jacob slavin talk about dougie hamilton today set up I want, he said, like, he was pretty, like, that's about as firm Matter as I've fact. ever heard Jacob yeah. Slavin be when he said, I want him back twice in the same uh, answer. Like, he started it with, I want him back, and ended it with, I want him back. And in the middle, he was like, you know, he he makes us a much better team. He, you know, he, he talked about how great of a pairing they are, and... Of course, Jacob Slavin would want Dougie Hamilton back. He would be out of his mind to not want Dougie yeah. Hamilton back because as much as you want to say that Dougie Hamilton is aided by Jacob Slavin's defense, Jacob Slavin is absolutely aided by how dynamic Dougie Hamilton is offensively. For sure. Well, and I think, too, like, Slavin – like, Slavin had to know he was going to get asked about that today. I, I think he had that answer pretty well prepared. Of course. Yeah. Because I think about Dougie's interview the day before. It, it His kind of had that Martinuk feel. Not as bad, but it was kind of that kind of where he was like, I've 
I've enjoyed my time in Carolina. I've made friends. I've made I love it here. He's I've I've really enjoyed it. He just still had that same kind of like if this is the end, farewell feel to it. His 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 like you said though his had more of an if like yeah. with Martinook like. I think you know. Definitely different. But with, yeah. with Dougie, I mean, I, I think there is, like, and again, much more into this next week, but, like, if there is at least some common ground to be found, then that's something that needs to happen. Yeah. We'll get more into, like, pretty much what we're, we're going to have next week. Next week, we're going to have probably, like, an hour of talking about Dougie Hamilton because I think we all have slightly differing opinions of the situation. And... It's and, a, and it's all a that. very it's a very complex and nuanced situation too. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of is if this then that that goes into that situation. Yeah. And we'll talk about that more next week. Um Robert Namore was announced as a Jack Adams finalist today. For, Rightfully so. For about coach time. of the year. It was. Uh and they did that before watching him get out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, in the athletic or earlier, like a few weeks ago, there was a GM poll for a Jack Adams trophy and Rod ran away with that voting. So there's reason to be optimistic about him and Jack Adams trophy, which is voted on by broadcasters. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's very, it's very well deserved for him to be fine. I think it'd be very well deserved for him to win it. I mean, you look at, this is pretty much like, the best regular season in Hurricanes history, like if you prorate it out. Um, and again, the, the, there's no guarantee they do that over 82 games, but, I mean, we can't know. Um, they won the division for the first time since 05-06. They, I mean, really, like, I'm going to, like, with the circumstances and everything else this year, like, every coach in the NHL who got their team to the playoffs deserve this season deserves a pat on the back. But, like, you look at the season their Hurricanes had, their COVID pause, like two games into the season, winning a couple games without all those guys, all the some of the injuries they have. It's not like they ever had, other than the COVID stuff, a thing where like this, this, and this, and that guy is out. But like being without Peter Morazic, being without Tavo Teravainen, like they were big injuries. So no, I, I think Brendan Moore is very deserving of this. Yeah, and I, I hate, like, with awards, I hate being, like, you know, reputation or, like, looking back outside of just this year. But, like, Brendan Moore completely has changed the culture of this team and, like, completely made this team relevant again. And, like, on top of that, like, from the past to where they are now, like, they, they also had one of the best seasons in the NHL. Like, Like, I think you can look at that for just this award of being, like, you know, maybe not taking in the fact that Brendan Moore changed the culture, but like he's brought it to this peak. Like it's he's he's like almost brought it to this super high level. So you can be like, well, you know, he kind of maybe well, that, deserves and, a little credit for that. Well, that and I mean, I don't I don't remember who the finalists were that that year, but I go back to to if you look at Brendan Moore's first year, like you're you kind of like why was he not a finalist that year, like. It was like probably Cooper Berube, and uh, probably Cassidy. Tortorella, maybe Cassidy or Tortorella, one of those. I feel like two, Cassidy's I like finalist every year I for some reason. Cassidy, yeah, you're right. But, but yeah, no, I mean he's sh- 
that's I, I think I think Quenville and Evan like if Quenville or Evanson were to win, I don't think there's a ton to complain about there because I think both those guys are pretty deserving. But I I do think that Burnamore has a very good chance to win this. I could play it a little bit if Evanson won it, just because it's like Oh wow, that team completely flipped on a dime with that coach, and you you vote him this year. Interesting. When they finish like third in their division, why not? But like, I can see Quenville because like, honestly, if you look at that Florida roster, it's like it feels like half of them are like AHLers that like play to yeah. an exceptional level. They, like, it should be Quenville or more in my book. Yeah. Southeast bias. Honestly, I think Southeast Division should win all the awards. That's right. It's absolutely right. Speaking of, Canes, did we talk about the Canes having two other nominations? Did we talk about that already? Uh, Last week, probably. Jacob Slavin, Lady Bing. Jacob Slavin, uh, Lady Bing. Calder. Yeah. We definitely, we've, we talked about Nadelkovich Calder. I know that. Yeah. We probably talked about Slavin. That one was announced beforehand, wasn't it? That was like the first no, one announced. Nadelkovich was first, I think. Hmm. So we might not have talked about Slavin, but yeah, I mean... Top pairing defenseman plays huge minute, huge minutes. Uh, had one delay game puck over the glass minor penalty all year, and that's it for penalties all season because he didn't like regular season and playoffs. Like that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's On like a team that, as we've established, takes a lot of penalties. <laughs> yeah, and like the other one is also because like hardly defensemen hardly ever get like nominated for it. So I think. There was like a campaign for it because Jared Spurgeon was the other nominee for the award, but he had six penalty minutes. So, I mean, you know, like triple the amount Jacob took. I mean, and then Austin Matthews shouldn't be up for an award for gentlemanly conduct, you know, having his track record mm-hmm. from last year. He's been up for it two years in a row after what happened. Like, that's nice, nice Canadian national media just voting him just because that's really what I feel like. I mean, come at me if you will, but. He doesn't deserve an award for gentlemanly conduct. No, he doesn't. You're absolutely right. Yep. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of the awards this year that I'm feeling like that guy didn't really deserve that. That guy didn't really deserve that nominee. <laughs> All the division winners are out of the playoffs. Carolina, Colorado, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh. Colorado got knocked out last night by Vegas after going up two to nothing and looking like the best team in the world. Uh, they fell on their faces. Philip Grubauer. Uh, speaking of uh, award <laughs> yep. nominees that don't deserve it, yep. uh, give me a yep. break with Philip Grubauer. I mean, Jesus. Uh, wow, he had wins. I wonder if that's a team stat or a goalie stat. I wonder if Colorado maybe had like the best offense uh, in the history of man or something and helped with that and were amazing in all aspects during the regular season. And perhaps that contributed to Philip Grubauer having a lot of wins. Um he had a good year. Was he a Vesna finalist? I'm not so sure about that. Well, he is, no. but should he have been? I'm not so sure. No. You see, I would have given it to UC Soros before I would have given it to him. And when we take a trip back in down memory lane, following the, I think it was the 17-18 season, you'll remember that Philip Grubauer got traded to the Colorado Avalanche by the Washington Capitals. You will also remember that the Colorado Avalanche did not have the best offer for Philip Grubauer. The Carolina Hurricanes did. And instead of trading him to Carolina, they traded him to Colorado, whose 
second round pick was several spots behind Carolina because they, don't want they, to are, trade they are not in the division. So what could have been Philip Grubauer um, instead with Colorado and did not have a great series? He was like, for the regular season, Grubauer was like, all of his advanced analytic goalie stats were middle of the road, like 15th, yes. 16th overall. Like, And they were, the, the team they were facing, Marc-Andre Fleury, was in like the top three of every single advanced goalie like stat. He had a fi- I, like, like, Grubauer had a fine season. He, he, had, was, he was fine. You know, good enough to get into the playoffs and like good enough to win games. He, he was a fine starter on a presence trophy team. That's, that's, all, that's all it is. I'm convinced. I'm thoroughly convinced that there is there's a there's a good handful of NHL GMs around the league that just are not good at their job. I think they just you think at like so? The, no. They just went to the NHL app. And they click stats and they went to goalies and they look at wins and said, "Oh, Vasilevsky, Flurry, Grubauer. All right, that's that's the that's the ballot Works for me. I mean, Vasilevsky deserves it. I think Flurry deserves it too. Vasilevsky yeah. and Flurry both had exceptional seasons. They both played very yeah. well. Either there are so many goalies. There are so many goalies that deserved it over Grubauer, like Hellebuck, Saros. Hellebuck was robbed. Hellebuck was robbed. Absolutely. Single handed dragging that Jets team. He. I mean, he, he did. didn't have. Well, I mean, I guess he he had enough for the call there, but like. Shit, I might have thought about it giving it to like Nedeljkovic before I had to give it to Grubauer. Nedeljkovic's numbers were better. Victor Hedman for Norris too is a little bit like he he didn't have the greatest year. I feel like there was. I have a theory on this one. Okay. I think I think a lot of voters look at this and they're like they're like all right if I could start a franchise would I pick any defenseman over Victor Hedman right now? No, I would pick Victor Hedman first overall if I start a franchise. But if I look at independently this year, his numbers were not the best. I still think he's probably arguably top three defenseman in the league this season for what we're voting for, for the 2021 season. He, Eric Chernak had more five-on-five points than <laughs> Victor Hedman had in the regular season this year. Like, like say <laughs> what you wild. will about Dougie Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton's numbers were better than Victor Hedman's this year. I'm not saying Dougie Hamilton is better than Victor Hedman, even though I think there's a conversation to be had on if Victor Hedman is a little overrated and perhaps Dougie Hamilton is a bit underrated. I think that that conversation should be had. And we'll have that conversation in depth next week about Dougie Hamilton, by the way. Um, I have a lot of things to say about Dougie Hamilton. A lot of nuance. It's going to be great content next week. The Dougie Hamilton podcast will be off the charts. It'll be great. I, I'm really well, looking forward to it. Yeah, you guys can look forward to a long episode next week because that we Dougie Hamilton is far from the only major off-season topic we need to discuss. Yeah, there's going to be quite the rundown of things to go through there. I think that's all. Is that all we got for this week? Kind of a post-mortem of the hurricane season. Uh, what was your fate? What, what was you guys' favorite moment? From the 2021 season. It was definitely Yanni Hockenpah's game-tying goal in Dallas to ensure that the game went to overtime and the Hurricanes clinched a playoff spot with exactly 69 points. Wow. <laughs> um, hmm. Let me think. I mean, I think... Uh, 
I, I don't know what I call my favorite moment. I think one of the most memorable moments was Vincent Trocek's offsides goal against the Columbus Blue Jackets and then coming yeah. back out to start the next period without a power play anymore. That, was, I that think, feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> that does. Like, that's so hard. That was this season? Like, Holy shit. So yeah. many games oh people learn together, and I'm just like, oh, my God, what even happened? Maybe, uh, God, this season was a long season. The whole Steven Lorenz thing, like him getting to make his debut and like um, scoring his first goal and just like really the whole Steven Lorenz experience of him just like being happy all season was great. (laughs) Just being happy. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think other things, I think Ajo had a great season. I think he's the most consistent Kane. He just constantly always does good. Ajo is over a point per game player the, the entire season. Yeah. I mean, like, dude's <laughs> dude's the best player on the team for a reason. He's so good. Yep. I I very much enjoyed watching Jordan Stahl finally get rewarded for how good he is with all yes. the goals and oh, all yes. the points he produced. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen ever again. Um, history would suggest that it won't. But he absolutely deserved the breaks that he got this year offensively. Um, he has been such a tremendous player for this team for a very long time. And the, the work that he has put in to just make it through all the bullshit, you know, he, he joined the team as, you know, Eric's brother. And a few years later, Eric's gone and it's just, it's, it's him. And it's, it turned into his team over a short period and he, he is uh he has been outstanding in his role. He's always been uh one of the best two-way forwards in hockey, but the offense was just it was always the expected goals, never the actual goals. And this year, maybe in, in what was a down year for him analytically, had one of his best offensive seasons with the Hurricanes, his best since maybe his first or second year with the team. So that was really fun to watch. I was really happy to see that because he definitely earned it. So I was on board for the Brock McGinn four game goal streak too. top line Brock McGinn. That's right. Jordan Stahl signed before his first year with the team, a 10 before we played a game, Mm -hmm. a 10 year, $60 million. million dollar extension there. And at the time of that, you're like, woof i hope that works out like there are two years to go on that thing and it really has never looked like a terrible like it, it it's looked maybe like an iffy contract a couple of times but really not like it's really never looked like a bad contract like at his lowest which isn't very low like he's never been bad he's always been an elite like offensive driver and defensive shutdown guy but you know even at your most scrutiny you can be like maybe he's worth a million million and a half less i mean that's that's really all it's ever been and yeah. for that to be the case i mean that's pretty incredible so he's he's lived up to it you know even if he hasn't been you know the one c that drives offense i mean he was never really supposed to be that and he's always just been jordan stall and he he's a huge part of this team turning it around you know he's the longest tenured hurricane you know, he's been through it. He's been through he's been through everything. And we've been through everything that we have to say on this podcast. So this has been the Kane's Country Podcast. 
Thank you for listening this week to uh, the paying of the respects to the 2021 Carolina Hurricanes. Rest in peace. We'll see what they have to offer us next season. And you'll see what we have to offer you guys next week because we have so much to talk about still. We talked for about an hour here today. But next week, oh boy, we have we have Dougie Hamilton. We have all of the free agency. We have all the things that need to happen with the Hurricanes. It's going to be crazy. Uh, lots of stuff. So we'll be back next week for that. Uh, Ryan Hinkle, Andrew Schnicker. My name is Brett Finger. Guys, where can the people follow you on Twitter and only Twitter, Andrew? At A-N-C-H-N-I-T-T-5-3. And Ryan. At R-Y-A-N-H-E-N-K-E-L underscore. You can follow me at Brett Finger on Twitter. You can follow Canes Country at Canes Country. Instagram, Canes Country Picks, P-I-X. Go to canescountry.com. We have all of the coverage of the end of the season going into the offseason. Uh, it's all there on canescountry.com. Uh, please follow slash subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Megaphone, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can listen to the Canes Country Podcast. Please leave a rating, a review. Those things help us out tremendously. Oh, yeah. If you have any questions, uh, go to Twitter at Canes Country. Go to any of our Twitter accounts. If you have anything that you want to be discussed on next week's podcast, just let us know. And uh, we'll field some questions and and have a long breakdown of of everything. So it'll be a good time. Uh, Looking forward to it. Be well. Enjoy the rest of the playoff hockey. We'll talk to you next week. Goodbye.